0: Welcome to Live Boldly with Sarah, a guide through trauma, personal healing, growth, and discovery leading to the ultimate life of joy, mental wellness, and less fear. As a single mother, certified coach in transitional change and adventurer, I will share my personal traumas and help you with steps to be free of whatever internal or external chains are keeping you from enjoying this life. My guests and I go beyond the typical conversation as they share their inspirational journeys, and every other week, I bring you my solo episodes where I highlight issues or ahas that I know you are Going through too. From relationships, aspirations that have seemed impossible, motherhood, friendships, work, transitions, inertia, depression, my wish is this forum can help you through all of this and more. My mission is to create a supportive community and connection that empowers each one of you to love yourself and believe your right to live boldly. Brett, welcome to the Live Boldly podcast. I'm so excited to have you on today. Um, I watched the Alpinist. I was just telling you this right before he jumped on. I watched the movie when I was flying home to see my dad and my uncle. It was a few weeks ago. And I'm sitting in the middle seat of the row, literally like binge eating food as I'm watching this and going, I need to have a conversation <laughs> with her. I want to meet this girl because I mean, there's so much in this movie that I can relate to. And there's so much that I want to bring to our listeners. So thank you for being on this podcast episode with us.
1: Oh, yeah. You know, what? it was pretty um, spontaneous when I got your message, but I was happy to have a podcast with you. And I actually just got a message yesterday by somebody else who messaged me saying that they'd just seen it on the plane and the girl in front of him. Also was watching the movie. So it's kind of cool that people
0: get to see it while traveling. Oh, yeah. So good. So good. And then, of course, I told my niece, I was like, you got to go listen, what? go watch this film. And then she watched it. And then I had messaged you and then you messaged me back. So here we are. So everybody go grab your journals because <laughs> I want you to listen to the story. The story itself. There's, there's a few angles that I want to touch on this with you. Number one, uh, I'm a mom. So I'm 49 years old and I have three sons. And one of the things that I believe so deeply in is letting people follow their dreams and their aspirations. So huge, huge piece to that, right? So that's one of the things I really want to touch on. You as a partner with your boyfriend, right? And watching all that went and happened, right? And this unfolding of his journey. And then also where you are at today in your own grief journey and having experienced all of this. So those are the top three things that I really want to touch on within this episode so you guys go get your journals because there's this is going to be a Mm -hmm. deep dive um are you good with that can we dive in absolutely okay so introduce yourself I want you to tell us who are you who are you and tell us a little bit about your journey your boyfriend about what had happened with this film really dive into that part of it
1: my name is Brett Harrington and I I originally grew up in Lake Tahoe, California, but I moved to British Columbia when I was 18. And I was always drawn to rock climbing and that's what I wanted to do. That's where I wanted to spend my time. And I had already been rock climbing before, um, back when I was in high school. So when I moved to British Columbia, I was just looking for climbing partners all over the place online. And I would drive from Vancouver up to Squamish on the weekends. I was going to university. So on the weekends I would drive up to Squamish and just climb with people that I would find either bouldering in the forest or I'd go to some sport crags. And I met one day a man who told me I needed to meet his roommate. And so I kept climbing with this guy, his name was Mark. But then Mark introduced me to Mark Andre. And once Mark and I met, it was like we were inseparable. Um, I was 20, he was 19. And we climbed together throughout the fall. So that was 2012. 2012. Um, he was the best climber I had ever met. He was so talented in every different style of climbing, so drawn to it. And he's also the first person who showed me that climbing isn't just a singular thing it's totally multifaceted like he had a school project when he was a kid where his teacher asked him or asked all the students to give a presentation on different aspects of their life um so a lot of kids would have done like oh their home life and their friends and their sports and mark gave a presentation about ice climbing alpinism Slab climbing, sport climbing, trad climbing, and all these different parts to climb, like these different dimensions of climbing that were all so different and also like so important to him. But he failed the project because the teacher couldn't see that they were all like different. She was just like, well, that's just climbing. That's one part of your life. But he's like, but <laughs> they're all so many different parts uh. to his life. So, yeah, I mean, I think he was seeing out of the box and she was stuck within her own confinement. Yeah. Um. And so he kind of shared that with me because at the time that I met him, I was really into just any adventure. I And that's still who I am today. It's just like adventuring and rock climbing encompasses all of that adventure. But then together we started alpine climbing and then soloing and soloing in the alpine and sh- he started showing me different parts to climbing and then i started showing him like um skiing and ski alpinism so we just started morphing together all these different styles and i guess in a way we were living in this kind of blissful place when i think back on that phase of my life like it, it was just one big adventure, one that rolled into the next, into the next. And we were climbing as much as we possibly could. And it was, it was really incredible. Um, and then this film company started filming with us because we were doing some incredible ascents and we got our first sponsors. Mark picked up his sponsor through Arc'teryx. And then a year later I joined with, with Arc'teryx also. So now we were getting supported to go on these adventures. And we started going going further, ranging outside of British Columbia. So we went to um, Patagonia, and then we went to Baffin Island. And then I went back to Chile, um, and just like ranging into bigger, wilder terrain. Um, And so the film company started filming with us, but they had this idea that they wanted to shoot soloing. And they wanted to make a documentary about free soloing and as they started filming with us they they realized that mark was actually such an incredible individual that their story was even bigger if they just focused on him instead of free soloing as a topic so they changed the entire um dimension of what they wanted to or the entire storyline of what they wanted to Create and made it just about Marc Andre. So, for a couple years, we shot with them to make this film called The Alpinist. And right around the time that it was going to be finished up, 2018, they had one more shoot with us that they wanted to do in April. Um, Mark went off to Alaska to climb this peak, um, and I went to Tasmania. Uh, to climb with another partner and during that time um, Mark passed away because he and his partner were descending and potentially we believe a cornice broke off from the top of the mountain and triggered an avalanche on top of them so yeah so Mark passed away and that's kind of the premise of the film is like talking about our lives together and what an incredible person he was and how we had this chemistry and then he just in a blink of an eye disappeared it's a really powerful film even when I watch it it hurts me to re-watch it it's like yeah it's deep and sad but beautiful and I'm happy that they captured all of that
0: When you watch it and you're, I'm going to go straight in as a mom because like, I just Mm want to hug you right now. Like I, I'm crying with you. I, I got to tell you this film impacted me so much. We're working on a documentary and right now as well as I was telling you, and it's the thing that I have so much deep respect for him. Like, I'm really going to start to cry. Mm -hmm. I have so much deep respect for him for saying, I want to do it my way right? Yeah. I can't have, I can't. And I I remember this from the film of, I can't just, I can't just have people filming me when I'm out there using like being with one with the mountains, because then I'm not there. Mm -hmm. It's almost like, then you have this shadow that's over you. That's, that's filming you really not allowing you to just simply be yourself one with that mountain when you're climbing it, whatever that is. Where does it hit you most when you're watching this film?
1: Seeing his personality and how much I loved him and just thinking about how much heart and soul went into who we were together. I really felt like we, there was like Brett and then there was Marc-Andre, but then there was us and we were like this different entity and it was something totally irreplaceable. And when he died, I lost that and that, that is what hurts me. Have yeah. you found, and I don't honestly, I don't really think about it that much anymore. It's been five years, so, yeah. yeah, I don't think about it um because it's so painful. and I try not to peel back the layers all the time. But, yeah, it's still there. It was incredibly special.
0: do you when you're out there climbing, do you feel him?
1: Yeah, depends on when, like, I climb every day. So only in the really special moments, like, there have been certain climbs where I feel really proud of myself and I know he would be proud of me. And those moments I I'm like, okay, I wish Mark Andre could see that. And sometimes I think maybe he does. I don't know really what I believe in, but I feel like his soul somehow is still connected with mine in these really, really special moments. He might like wherever he is, feel it too.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I'm a pretty spiritual person. I've become a spiritual person because I've been climbing so many damn mountains in my life, especially over the last ten years. I mean, you don't really know my story, <laughs> yeah. But I'll tell you that that now, I mean, I'm waypointing mountains in Southern California, and I'm 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 very much at the same as where it's just like any adventure that I can get my hands on, that's where I grow and learn more about me and find that space of understanding about myself a little bit more, right? And I've also grown into even more of a spiritual person because of it and have had so many experiences where like would mind blow. I mean, my mom passed away in July and I remember going down into the Grand Canyon, leading a retreat of, of men and women that were going through their own life-changing transformations. And I had a little conversation with her and I looked up into the sky and this incredible, I literally asked her, could you just tell me that you're okay? And this incredible rainbow formed around the sun And the clouds converted into a heart right in the middle. And so, you know, I would say that he's 100% right there with you, with every, 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 every climb that you do, because and extremely proud. He was so unique and so special.
1: And what's kind of cool, too, about the film is that I knew how special Mark was. But so, so many people around me didn't. And people didn't really understand him because he wasn't very social. I mean, he was social around people that he was comfortable with, but he was really awkward, actually, in social settings. And so people didn't really get him, but I got him, and I got to see him when he was, like, truly himself. Like, when he was climbing, he was, like, his soul came alive. And so for the film to come out and show, like, that's who he really was, I think people who even knew him in daily life didn't realize how truly beautiful he really was like even talking to my cousin they like my cousin could only see him when we were in town and walking around and then he was like wow I I get it I get why you loved him
0: yeah so you you're such a special woman really truly like how how could you allow yourself to see him differently and I and I mean this from a human space because I do think that we so often are judgmental before we are accepting what what is it about you and your I feel this from you like what is it about you that allows you to not be that judgmental space and, ex- and in its turn is accepting of who the human is unlike so many others in this world
1: <laughs> Well, I so at the point would I when I met Mark, I had just moved back to Canada from Spain. I lived in Spain for a year. I didn't know really anybody in Canada when I moved back. And um I I guess I was just kind of lost or I was young and also just like looking for what I what I was looking for like the meaning in life. That was a big question for me. And I was also like super philosophical back then, like contemplating like society and wanting to be a part of society. I, you know, reading all these books about like, I can't remember his name, but like Into the Wild books. Oh, yeah. And um then, what was McCandless, Christopher mm-hmm. McCandless? Yeah. And um so when I met Mark, at first I wasn't so sure about him because it, it, it always takes a while to get to know somebody. But I I realized early on that he made me laugh. Mm. And that was good for me. And I needed to laugh more in life. And so that was like a conscious decision. I need to spend more time with this person because I'm laughing all the time. And so he made me feel good. And then also we shared the same passion and it wasn't just like climbing. It was like the passion for adventure. Yeah, and and that is, I guess, the
0: answer. Well, yeah, because I think that that's one of the things that so many people do miss in their life is laughter. And I, I'm the same way. I'm like, if you can make me laugh, oh my gosh, that's, that's all I need more of in my life is laughter. Cause I, I think sometimes you get it squelched through life, you know? So, so he, Mm -hmm. so he passes away and you're left now with this space of, you know, where like what is really about like, what's there, right? Like you've had this, now this human, this incredible human taken from you. Can you walk us through, especially for those people that have gone through or are going through this grief journey, what that was like for you during that time? So
1: I'll take you back. Maybe just before he died, there were some really interesting conversations that he and I had that in a way led up to his death and like preparing me for it. So there was one instance, we were together in Patagonia when our friend in the United States had passed away and I was climbing a mountain way in the uh, like deep in the Patagonian ice cap. And Mark had been in town and he found out about the passing of our friend and he ran into the mountains to find me. And just like he it was just kind of like this moment where he he had never gone in to find me anywhere, but he like met me in this valley while I was hiking out. And as we were hiking out, he talked to me about the passing of Hayden and we were both like so shocked and so sad. And he told me that if anything ever happened to him, he would want me to keep going and keep like living and like loving myself and living life to the fullest. Um, And I guess it's because he loved me and he loves like who I am more um, more than our connection. Like he loved my soul and wanted it to flourish. And so I didn't really like talking about these sort of things but there was other conversations that were similar where he kind of had some ideas about life and death. And we talked about it a lot. So when he died, those conversations helped me just reflect on, and they seemed like foreshadowing in a way of like, why was he telling me these things back then? And I don't know, it almost seemed like he kind of felt like his life was going to be short or something. Um. So then, yeah, he passes away, and I was just like left in this void, um, and it was so so painful. Oh my gosh, I couldn't handle the pain. I could not handle it. So the only thing I needed knew what to do was to go straight into the mountains. Mm. It wasn't that I was going to find him, but I was fleeing. I was fleeing um, the pain, and also I didn't want time to pass. So I was just, I wanted winter to continue because he died in March, but it was still winter and we'd been living in winter. We had been together all winter, like ticking off all our projects, all the biggest ice lines and alpine lines. Like that was the most incredible winter together he and I had had. And so I just wanted winter to continue. And I was like trying to hold on to time and I didn't want it to stop. So as winter started moving into spring, I started moving farther north and farther east to get more winter and I just stayed in the mountains and I was looking for like the most alpine lines I could find. Um, I just wanted to be there and also he had showed me so much about alpinism in the past two years prior that I felt like I had all these sources of knowledge that needed to be utilized. And if I didn't use them right away, I felt like they would just go to waste. Like all of his energy (laughs) went to me. And so I just went alpine climbing for two years.
0: And I, yeah, it was beautiful. You just kept climbing. You kept taking his energy and it kept, it just kept moving you through for those first few years afterwards. Isn't that interesting? Climbing really helped me. Well, so how it, so I want to dive into that really quick too, because the mountains, You know, there's, people use the mountains for different reasons. They use, they use their climbing for different reasons. How did he use his climbing? Like, what was it for him? And then what was it for you pre his death and then post his death? Before
1: he passed away, it was all just new and exciting. And we were like testing our own mental fortitude. Like we did a lot of free soloing, a lot of it. Um, and we free soloed together all the time and it was like, in a way, I think free soloing taught me more about myself than any other aspect of life, because you really do have to go into your head, trust your abilities, trust yourself. It's all about your decision-making and know, know yourself. You need to know what you're capable of, what you're not capable of where to back down, um, where to commit, what like what is safe and your life is in your own hands. It's just an incredible thing to not play around with, but to learn about yourself with. So I wouldn't recommend free soloing to like anybody, but for me and for Mark, it was the right thing at the right time that was helping us. Build confidence in ourselves.
0: That those people that are listening understand what is free soloing. So free soloing is climbing without ropes. Rob climbing without ropes. Just so everybody understands that it's it's. I don't do that. (laughs) 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 My would kill me. But then how 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 did it change? How did climbing change for you post his death? Was it hard for you to get back out there?
1: Yes. So like after he passed the thing i wanted most was to do these really committing um styles of climbing that took my mind away from the present or away from the past and away from memories and away from emotion and forced me into the present like in alpine climbing you're like way up on these snowy faces and you have to be completely aware of your surroundings and analyzing absolutely everything and aware of your feet and your hand placements and your ice tools on the rock like you cannot be distracted by anything. And that was the only thing that helped me bring my mind away from grief. So I stuck to that style. Also, I didn't feel stressed at all. That is something I sometimes forget about that time in my life is that I had no stress. I was apathetic almost about all emotion. And I was just like, I would say selfish that I was just doing things for myself. I wouldn't engage with anybody else that I didn't want to. I wasn't very friendly. I was just totally self-absorbed, but I was stress-free. It was an interesting uh, time frame, And then I stuck to alpinism and I didn't want to go back to the other styles of climbing that even Mark and I did together. Like we did big wall climbing, um, a lot of rope climbing. So, um, I felt like it would put too much pressure on me, whereas alpinism, there was no pressure. Either you climb the mountain, you don't, you bail, you succeed. There was like, it just felt free. Whereas with uh, like big wall climbing, you have an objective and if you put in 10 days of work and you fail, that that weighs on you. So I didn't engage with that at all for a couple of years. And slowly, as I've like moved through phases of grief, I've started circulating through the other styles of climbing. And now I'm primarily focused on rock climbing. That's like the stage that I'm at right now. So, yeah, it's always changing for me.
0: Isn't that interesting? So how so he passed away in what year was this? two thousand twenty eighteen? 2018, and now it's 2023, and you can literally see the progression of your own healing through the progression of the way that you've actually been taking on climbing again.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Wow. wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna relate this to, and I can relate this to my own life as well, and and metaphorically, or let's like like look at our stories right and see if our stories marry each other but i know for me you know so 2013 was when i went through some major trauma And then I started adventuring and I would go deeper into my adventures and deeper into my adventures. And I remember the first time I did an overnight backpacking trip, and it was 2017. That was my very first overnight backpacking trip where it was for two nights. And then all of a sudden, and I was like hooked. I'm like, this, Mm -hmm. I found myself on top of El Capitan. You get it. Right. Like Mm -hmm. I was like, holy shit, I'm on top of El Cap. How did I get here? Right. And then all of a sudden, then 20, 18 I'm on the high Sierra trail and one thing led to the other 2020 I'm 22 days on the John Muir trail and now we're section hiking the um Sierra high route which is waypointing through the Sierra Nevada mountains and it's you keep I I, as I'm as I'm looking at the story what you're sharing and the story of also what I've been through as adventurers it's adventuring in life but then it's also like going out into the mountains and adventuring in life but it's also allowing your journey, right, your healing journey, your grief journey, trauma journey, whatever it is, to be reflected in the work that you are literally in as well, which for you is climbing, right, different ways. How Mm -hmm. freaking cool is that?
1: It's really cool. And it also shows how important these things are to us as people, like other people just see climbing as some activity or a hobby. But for me, it's way more than that. And obviously like um hiking and backpacking and just being in the mountains is the same for you
0: oh huge i don't it's know
1: what i so, so important
0: yeah, well, yeah. I, and so this is where i just like i want to can i mom you for a second do you mind because mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> how old <Sure>. are you? <laughs> i'm 31 you're 31 okay so i'm 49 mm-hmm. so technically i could mom you um <laughs> if you don't mind cuz i actually have a 31 year old by the way so here's what's really interesting is that you started this conversation with like not pulling back the layers, right? Where you were like, Uh I don't really pull back the layers. That's, if I'm not mistaken, is that what you said? Yeah. Uh Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to mom you for a second and just tell you, you are pulling back the layers. I, what I'm, what I'm, as I'm conversing with you on this, this is pulling back the layers and it's finding whatever those layers are. It's finding this new version of yourself through this, it literally is a trauma journey that you're on that you've been on um having lost the love of your life but and i also would like to believe that he's also here with you like i i believe that we all meet for a reason and even having this conversation and me watching this film on the plane there was a reason for it there was a reason that i went through however many packs of food i did on that delta flight as i'm sitting there watching it going <laughs> i got to meet this girl because like, there's something here. I do believe that we all have these intersecting planes. And I also do believe that there are people above us that make it happen, that they help make it happen. It's Mm -hmm. as humans. We either listen and we say, okay, yes, I'm going to reach out to her. Hopefully she reaches back or we say, oh, she'd never reach back out to me. So why bother? Like, right. Yeah. Right. And so with that, I would also like to just share what I'm seeing here is you pulling back the layers and allowing yourself to heal through this journey in the way that works for you. I think so often we have people that tell us how to do it. And that's where we get screwed up because yeah, we all are humans and we all have our own way. And this is the way that's working for you.
1: I totally agree. And it's nice. People want to help you and people want to like tell you what works for them. Right. But it doesn't work for everyone and it only works for them. And so, yeah, I think you're right. Like some direction is nice if somebody needs it or wants it, but look for me. And when Mark passed away, I couldn't take direction. I just had
0: to follow myself. Yeah. And that right there needs to be written down by every single person that's listening to this, because (laughs) that's, that's such a beautiful true North literally and you sounds to me like you kept going north <laughs> like you were like no i just want to keep i want to I stay winter i want to <laughs> stay winter i want to stay connected with him in the falling snow and that's such a beautiful journey that's such a beautiful yes. journey. I love it i absolutely love it so let's dive into um have you you're in have, do you you've talked to his mom obviously right and i don't want to yeah, like i don't want to like you know, I I would rather have her talk about the journey of herself with being a mom. That said, how was it for him that you know of as a young man? How was it for him to be supported? And this is for parents everywhere needing to support, support their kid's journey, right? Whatever their passion, their purpose is how was it for him to have that to have a mom that was like no because in the film she even t- it, she talks about this she homeschooled him she was like nope i don't like how this is working i it's it's very open in the film about her supporting his love for adventure and so mm-hmm. can you share a little bit about what that was like as you saw as as the girlfriend him having that support from that mom in that way so mark
1: adored his mom. He adored her. They were best friends. Um, I think Mark's mom was his like, probably for sure, she and him, she and me, we were his two closest people. Um, and I think it's because Michelle just always wanted him to fulfill himself. She also has two other children and she is the same with them like she she saw early on that they're all very unique and that they're all going to need something different like Mark's older sister Bridget Ann was always super book smart and so social and wanted like always had her friends around and and so Michelle obviously Bridget's a little bit easier to support But it wasn't fair that Mark went out to boarding school or to be homeschooled. So she pulled Bridget out too for two years and realized that Bridget needs to go back to school because she wants to be with her friends. So Bridget went back to school. And then like Mark has a younger brother, Elijah, who also is on his own path. He's a super creative mind, like searching for music. And I think he's doing his own podcast right now. So um, yeah, she's just... She doesn't want them to be fit into certain categories. Like she wants everyone to find their own path.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's such an important part as a mom or a parent is to be able to allow your kids to really thrive in the gift that they have and to be able to literally release yourself from The expectations of what society or you feel like they should be, because ultimately we are our own individual human beings, which is such a beautiful testament to her parenting.
1: I remember her saying like when Mark was 17 years old, he asked her what, like if he could go climbing or go up to Squamish and she's like, you should just move there. If you want to pursue this rock climbing thing, just go for it. And so he did and she went up to Squamish with him and helped him find roommates, helped him find housing and and then um, just supported him emotionally like to follow his passion, he was completely broke. And so like he had to find little odd jobs here and there. He did landscaping and um, he worked at the, I wanna say like the, one of the fast food restaurants for a while in Squamish, he was just trying to make ends meet but, Michelle just wanted him to be in the community that would support his
0: goals or his dreams. Well, how has his passing influenced the woman that you are becoming today?
1: I don't really know. Uh, I definitely understand loss a lot more. And I understand love. And I didn't before realize how deep love could go. Um, but I don't really know the answer to that question.
0: When they were working on this film, and I know that it was um, a shock to everyone that he had passed away, and they still finished it. Uh, what was that like for you?
1: Um, I wanted them to finish it because I wanted the world to see how special Mark was. I'm glad that they finished it. They took an extra couple of years to refine the storyline, and people always ask me like that question of like would you have preferred it to just be like for them to drop it and it to be quiet but I don't think so because now the world can see what a beautiful person he was and I think he deserves that recognition he was so unique he was yeah I think it's it's wonderful that it actually became realized i just wish that he could have seen it himself
0: you know there's some notes that i took when i was uh in when i was sitting there some notes let's just say i took a whole <laughs> <laughs> i had my i was taking note after note after note about uh the film and i know that there was so many things that stuck to me and one was um why you climb right and that one of the things that i got from it was i climb every moment i climb so i can live every moment of my life right and i climb so that um in in such a concentrated situation it it's almost like climbing becomes meditation for you right mm-hmm. and and there's yeah. in life you have to keep you have to keep doing in what you believe you have to keep asking yourself do you really want this from my heart it, what is it for? What's the meaning behind it? Um, what's your why? Uh, and also just inspiring, like how you, how people are out there to inspire the world. And, you know, if you can inspire one or two people, that's great. And ultimately, mm-hmm. right, it's also to inspire, to keep that inspiration going and moving into the, into the world. Um, you have to be willing to try. These are all the notes that I was taking. You have to be willing to try. You also have mm-hmm. to, to fail. And um, don't be afraid to dream big in whatever that dream is that you have. Um, the most important thing that I also want to come back to as we close this is one of the things that I wrote was um, it's all in the way in which you climb the mountain that matters. And that means no matter what it is, no matter what mountain it is, whatever, whatever mountain it is in your life. If we're talking about the mountain of grief, the mountain of pain, the mountain of sadness, the mountain of exploration, the real mountain, right? It's all in how you choose to climb that mountain and it's choice. It's a choice. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about this. I love that. (laughs) Right?
1: Well, the last one is so relevant to climbers specifically in like a more superficial way, because it is all about the style in which you climb it. Like if you free climbed it, or if you used a point of aid and within the climbing community, it gets down to the nitty gritty, like, well, how many times did you pull on a, a rope or how many times did you fall? And, and so it is like climbing is judged based on style. But then when you think about it in the greater picture, it's like, well what journey did you take yourself on and what did it mean to you and how did you did you cheat your way Did you feel like you did your best did you follow your creativity was it your own vision that led you there and did you figure out how to move your body in the right ways Yeah, I think that's beautiful.
0: It's such a reflection, I think, of the journey that we are all on, right? Like, And I know, I mean, my own trauma journey of grief and PTSD and all of it, I mean, I can only imagine the amount of PTSD that you encountered uh, during that journey those first few years and also allowed yourself to take your own true north and climb the mountain as you needed it to. Whatever that way looked, and also how that journey has transformed in the way that you have climbed over the years. I've had the same thing, different yet same, Um, and it's it's pretty remarkable. You're a remarkable young woman, like such a remarkable. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. Oh my gosh! So you know, I have an
1: interesting story that you might enjoy. I will love
0: it. I love so in the movie.
1: (laughs) Okay. Okay, so in the movie, Mark climbed Torrey Egger. He did the first winter solo ascent. Do you remember that one? It's the one in Patagonia, the spire with the ice at the top. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, so Torrey yeah. Egger. That was, so he did that and it was their winter season. So September, October of 2016. And while he was down there, he almost didn't go, but he, he did end up going in the end. And so we were in communication on online. And while he was down there, he was sending me all these messages about this other line just to the left of it that had never been climbed. And it looked like a possible route that he and I should go try in a later season. And I got all excited because I love doing big adventurous things. And so he was sending me photos and then he came back from that trip. And um, a couple of years went by and we didn't make it there because he had this other goal during the season that we could have gone down there. And so it was just in the, it was overlapping. So we couldn't get there. And so when he passed away, I still wanted to go do that climb. And so I went with a friend of ours, a mutual friend of ours and we get to the base and the only information I have about it, it was Mark's vision from like two years, three years previous now. And Mark told me that it looked pretty scary, like really run out and, So I was going to have to like dig really deep and I didn't know what to expect or how it was going to go. And so me and my friend Quentin were there and I was like, I um, collected all of the notes that Mark had sent me about the line. And then we, we did it. We climbed the route, but we only made it halfway because halfway up the mountain, my mountain boots broke away from the leash and fell fell a couple hundred meters to the glacier and fell into a crevasse. And so we couldn't summit. And so we repelled, but that was the last window of the season. And so we returned the next year and we climbed the lower half that we had already established. And we intercepted with the route that Mark had climbed in the movie. Um, Titanic is what it's called. And as we were up there, I found two of his anchors that he had built. Um, and I knew that they were his because of the way he tied his knots. He, and, and the cordlette that he used and the fact that they were single piton, it was just like his perfect anchor. And so I came upon his first one and I was like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. This is like Mark right here. I, and it, it was like a moment that just struck me and I felt like he was right there, like the time hadn't passed. It was like he had done this and no one had been there since he was there. And now I am there on this line that he had envisioned. And so then we climb up higher and we come upon one more. And I realized that that's the anchor on his first attempt at that line. He didn't make it to the summit, the storm blew in and he repelled. And I came to the anchor that he built to start the repels. So I was at the spot where he vivied and I remember all the conversations and from him like saying that he was up there in the storm and on this tiny, tiny ledge on a little like walkway. And that's exactly where it was. It was just like so mind blowing to be in that position after all those years and to have like fulfilled this vision that he had. And we summited and we um we ended up naming our route Marc Andre's vision. However, the descent was also like super exciting because Mark was the one who had um, mapped out the descent route and he was the one that did it. And his photographer who was up there shooting for the movie was the only other person that knew how to get down. So I contacted Austin. His name is Austin Sidak. And I'm like, hey, Austin, where did you guys rappel? And Austin was like, Mark let us down this insane rappel route. I don't even know how to describe it to you. And so <laughs> I was the only one in, out of my team. I had to, our, another friend of ours joined us. So now I'm at the summit and I'm like following Mark's crazy descent route down this space at night and it's a 900 meter mountain. And so we like just start working our way down and I had to build my own anchors, but it was like crazy following Mark's dream from years past. And like, yeah, it was an incredible line. I like that story.
0: See, I'm (laughs) telling you, he's here. I, 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 Yeah, I, that I know. What message would you believe that he would want to give to everybody? A lasting legacy message. And then what is your message?
1: I think Mark's would be disregarding what everybody else, everybody else's path and searching what makes you passionate, finding your soul passion and going for it. Um, I think that is what he would. Yeah, he would think. I I don't know, though. But I I think maybe that's maybe what I would think. (laughs) Yeah, I would think I would say that too. But I don't know. Yeah, I think ours would be probably the same there. Following your dreams.
0: I would I would have to agree with that. Well, thank you for being here because you've been an absolute pleasure and this has been so wonderful to meet you. Where can people find you? And then also tell us about your retreats. So um, Instagram is probably
1: my most used form of social media, Um, but I also have Facebook and then um, email Uh, and my business is called descentclimbingtrips.com and Uh, So you can go to my website or email is ascentclimbingtrips at gmail.com. And my business that we actually just started this year and we just finished our first trip and it was amazing Um, is like beautiful climbing trips, but they're not really retreats. It's more like a crafted trip where I've like spent months and months in these places and have found all of the most beautiful crags and the most like, beautiful hotels and intricate restaurants that bring out the culture of the place. I, I wanted it to be like classy and like, but also like really fun and inviting. Um, and so I take small groups. There's like nine people about per trip. And we have three guides so we can divide if we want. Um, and it's open to people who are completely new to climbing to people who are advanced in climbing. So it doesn't really matter. Um, And then we go on this dream climbing trip to these places. Like the one in Sardinia, we just did this beautiful multi-pitch over the water. It was three pitches over like teal blue water. And then we took a boat up the coast and we climbed over the water on the coast. This style, it's called deep water soloing, but it's really just um, like climbing as high as you want and then jumping into the water. It's fun. It's that. really fun. So we just, yeah.
0: Yeah. I was like, Oh my God, what is this? You should do that. I, <laughs> I, I bet you'd like it. I'm pretty sure I would. Can I paddle? Cause I everyone like to paddle with whales and dolphins. So that's my other jam. So
1: <laughs> yeah, everyone who had tried, it was everyone's first time trying it and some people were absolutely terrified of it at the start and now they're all like we want to do this one guy left the trip and he was heading to Italy and he's like I'm gonna find a place to do this so yeah so we deep water soloed one day and then cragged and like all I guess um each day was uh designed around a different style of climbing and had a different advantage and yeah so
0: that's that's kind of
1: what we do and
0: so cool yeah that's so cool uh I lead retreats in the Grand Canyon so maybe I'll get you down there and we can pull back some more layers because
1: <laughs> that's which little- is very cool is it um is it rafting or hiking? No, 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 no,
0: no, no. We do. Um, so I do coaching. It's, it, it's interesting that you're doing this work outside of your own journey, right? And the things that you've, that you've accomplished and worked through. And for me, I lead re- people on retreats in the Grand Canyon where we hike down, we spend two or three nights at the bottom in the, at the, in the cabin at Phantom Ranch. And we do a lot. I take people uh-huh. to the same thing. I take people to all the places that we're, have been extremely healing and uh, spiritual where I've worked through a lot of my own grief work trauma work but also just personal development finding out more about myself right like that adventuring piece um and we do mm-hmm. coaching prior to and post and so it's a whole journey it's like a 3 month journey into self with 5 or 6 days of a deep intensive retreat that is super fun and I just got off mine last week and it was awesome <laughs> well thank you for being here uh this conversation will continue And at another time, I'm sure. And um, if there's anything that I can do for you or any of your listeners that are your people as well, please, you know, reach out and I'm here for you too. So thank you for it. Great.
1: Thank you so much for having me. It was such a nice conversation with you.
0: So much fun. Thank you for listening to the Live Boldly podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I'm grateful to have you here. I believe in you. I believe in us and always will. Life can get hard, but I promise you on the other side, it's glorious. I'd love to invite you over to sarahschultenkranz.com to receive five free meditations recorded by me or download your free guide on how nature is your perfect healing therapy. My site has many free resources to guide you on your life journey, many that I used myself while on my road from victim to thriver. And also, please, I ask that you share my podcast with those who may need inspiration, information, or who need to hear from others going through where they are right now. To grow this podcast, please leave an iTunes review and subscribe. Go find it on other platforms such as iHeartRadio, Google Play, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please also go to my Instagram or Facebook page, leave a message in my comments and tell me what you think of this episode. Please share in your stories and tag me. I'd love to reshare and celebrate your healing journey. I love hearing from each one of you. Let's keep the ripple going. It begins with each one of us. I love you and have a great day.